From Yahoo Finance, this is Ballots and Dollars, a podcast about the politics that affect your pocketbook. I'm Rick Newman. And I'm Alexis Christophorus. Today, we are talking about how Medicare for All is losing favor with voters and how that may be bad news for Senator Elizabeth Warren. And Rick, I know there are a number of fresh polls out recently that show, you know, people, voters want to hear about Medicare for All, but but and they might even get behind it. But once you start talking about costs and the trade-offs they might have to make, they turn on it. Yeah, you know. So this this campaign's been going on seemingly forever, and it feels like all we ever notice are tiny incremental changes. Somebody's up by two percent or down by two percent in the polls. But we're really seeing some shifts here on uh, uh, voters' attitudes toward Medicare for all. Uh, and the the candidates that are associated with Medicare for All, and Warren, uh, Elizabeth Warren is the one where we're seeing the most obvious changes. So uh, I'll just put together a couple of trends. So in general, we've seen declining support for Medicare for All. That is That would be a huge single-payer health care system that would eliminate private insurance. Uh, and we've seen the candidates who don't favor that really going after Elizabeth Warren, also Bernie Sanders, but more Elizabeth Warren. You know, because I want to ask about the, that because ahead. Sanders seems to be more of the purest, I guess you could call yeah. it, uh, when it comes to Medicare for all. He's the one who wrote the the act. He always I wrote the, the damn right. bill. Right. He always reminds he us of that. Bill. Yet I don't feel like he has been attacked nearly as much on this topic as Warren has. And Warren has actually tried to at least tried to meet the moderates a little bit. I think by, there's a reason for that. Yeah. I think the reason for that is that um, nobody really thinks Bernie Sanders has a legitimate chance to win the Democratic nomination and be the candidate against Donald Trump next fall. They do seem to think Elizabeth Warren has a chance to uh, win the nomination. And I, you know, I think the polls suggest that she has been close to frontrunner status, but that has changed. Um, so uh, there was w- there's one um, trusted poll, which is the Quinnipiac poll, which in uh, October showed uh, 28% of Democratic voters listed her as their uh, first candidate, and that fell to 14% in November. So just between October and November, Democrats saying she's their first choice cut in half. Um, some of that was because Pete Buttigieg came up and mm-hmm. more people were saying, but that doesn't explain the, you know, losing 14 percentage points. And, and Biden held steady in that time. He's now, once again, in that poll, he's now the front runner. That's a national poll, not a state by state poll. But what did happen from October to November with Elizabeth Warren was that she kind of backtracked on Medicare for all. Uh, because she was getting so much criticism about it. And she said, well, I still stand for Medicare for all, but I'm also going to have another plan, which she calls her transition plan. And the transition plan actually actually looks like the more moderate health care plan that Joe Biden has, Pete Buttigieg. I mean, they're not identical plans, but they're similar. So this would be a public option, a new public program for people who cannot get affordable insurance in the private market. But if you already have private insurance, you, you could keep it. It wouldn't change anything about the private market. So now she's saying, well, I support Medicare for all, which is the single payer plan that would eliminate private insurance. But I also favor... Uh, this other transition plan that would just be for a much smaller number of people and everybody who has private insurance can keep it. And it's like, well, what do you really stand for? Which is it? And what she says is, well, I'll do the transition plan, 
uh, for a couple of years. And then in the third year of my presidency is when I'll, uh, which would be when the midterms are over. Mm-hmm. That's when I would really push for Medicare for all. And th- well, this is all fantasy. This is all fantasy. She would have to do this in her first 90 days in office. That's right. So to get I Medicare for I all don't through. Think, I don't think a, even a, any Democrat with both houses of Congress, I, I'm not even sure. Uh, under that scenario, Democrats could get a limited public option plan through Congress and, and get it turned into law. And she's saying not only will she do that, but a mere two years later, she's, she's going to finally move to that big sweeping law that's going to kill private insurance. And I mean, people you know who understand the way government works say that is not even remotely possible. So she just does not seem n- – number one, it's not a realistic plan. And number two, she's backpedaling from an unrealistic plan. Uh, and I think that is a big part of how she's getting tripped up in healthcare. What about similarities to promises that were made during the Obama administration and the Affordable Care Act? We also heard back then that if you have your insurance and you like your insurance, you'll be able to keep your insurance. Do you think people are a little dissuaded by that promise and and then hear Warren make a similar one and say, well, we just don't believe you? Yeah, it's a very interesting evolution here. Um uh, Obama was wrong, obviously. There were about um, – he was not wrong for it's, – it's very interesting because there were only about 3 million people who actually lost the insurance plan they had because uh, they were paying – Those they were mostly people paying for their own plans, not getting it through an employer. And they were paying low, relatively low premiums because they were not getting a lot of benefits. But they might have felt like, oh, well, I'm getting catastrophic care if I'm in a car wreck or something. At least I know, I'll know I, I'll have hospital coverage. It won't bankrupt me. Uh, the Affordable Care Act said every single policy issued to anybody must have these 10 essential health benefits in them. So a lot of those cheap plans were not offering those benefits. And now by law, they had to offer those benefits. So by definition, uh, people cannot keep those plans because they no longer complied with the law. That turned out to be about 3 million people out of a population of 300 million, and it caused a complete uproar and uh, turned tons of people against the Affordable Care Act because they thought it was uh, needlessly uh, obtrusive. And uh, President Obama earned the PolitiFact Lie of the Year Award in 2013 because he did, it was not true. I mean, when he said you can keep your plan if you like a plan, it was just except, not true. Except it for those 3 million people, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, so, yes, I think that absolutely makes some people very wary. But it's all, but things have also changed a lot since then. So uh, healthcare costs have just gone up and up and up and up. Uh, employers have continued to do what they've been doing for a long time, which is push it, pushing more of the cost onto individuals. Um, through the and in order to keep premiums if affordable, if you can call them that, mm-hmm. what they're doing is uh, ordinary. And the data all shows this: ordinary people who have insurance um, now are paying more and more in deductibles and out-of-pocket expenses and copays, and it's leading to a problem known as being underinsured, which is that you have insurance. But it's so expensive, you know, you have a $5,000 or $10,000 deductible that you still are reluctant to actually go get care because you're going to have to pay for that first uh, chunk of it out of pocket. Um, So this remains, uh, you know, the Affordable Care Act helped some people, but it certainly did not uh, solve the problem of health care costs that are rising way faster than incomes are. That's still a problem. And that's why we're still hearing about this, uh, especially among Democrats. And also, if you look at the swing states. Uh, Voters in those states also don't seem to be getting behind Medicare for all, and that includes Democrats, right? That's right. In fact, but we've talked about that in a prior podcast, and I want to look at the national polling on this because 
Um, this tells you why Elizabeth Warren backtracked on Medicare for All. So as she started to look like she had a plausible chance to win the Democratic nomination and be the candidate who goes up against President Trump, uh, more people started hearing about Medicare for All because she backs it. And 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 then and, and pe more people started to attack it and say, now you have to tell us how you're going to – uh, how are we going to pay for it's that? It's enormously right. expensive. It will require all these new taxes. So uh, in this Quinnipiac poll I mentioned before, among all voters, 36% um, think Medicare for all is a good idea and 52% think it's a bad idea. Hmm. So she, if, if, if as a front runner, yes, she's trying to win over Democratic votes, but Democrats voting for her are trying to ask themselves, do I think she can beat Donald Trump? And that is part of the reason when, she, you know, people and voters imagine her uh, going, being the general election nominee and trying to defend what's basically socialized medicine. I mean, Trump is going to say if, uh, if, if she's the candidate, she wants to take your health insurance away. There's going to be all this scaremongering. Trump doesn't even care about the truth. So that part is actually true. It would take your health insurance away if you have private insurance. But who knows what else he would say. You're not going to be able to get a doctor and all this. And I think uh, she would be very, very vulnerable to that because – uh, the experts who look at what it would take to get from where we are to Medicare for all say that you can't predict everything that would happen, but it would be massively disruptive and probably way more disruptive than the Affordable Care Act was. And let's remember, again, that um, just pushed three million people off of the insurance they had at the time and they had to get new insurance. Medicare for all would push 150 million people off the insurance they have. That's people who get uh, private uh, insur private sector insurance through an employer. And um, without a doubt, you would have sort of massive discontent, even if it was only 10 percent of that 150 million. Sure. That would still be five times more than, um, you know, caused the uproar over Obamacare. To be fair, it's not just Warren here. Kamala Harris was also very big on Medicare. Now, for how's all her in the campaign beginning. doing? No, I know, I know. Nowhere <laughs> Case near. Case in point. Right, but but she has also said, "Oh, wait a minute." She backed you away can too. Keep, you can keep your insurance, and we'll we'll allow this to to incorporate private insurance companies. I, I think Kamala Harris actually may have done more to turn people against Medicare for all than perhaps any other candidate. And she just made a uh, one. I just go back to one simple comment she made that just seemed completely thoughtless to me and unaware of sort of how many more people live their lives. When somebody asked her early in the campaign, so you favor Medicare for all, what would you do about private insurance? She said, Oh well, let's just let's just get rid of all that. That was that was what she said. I think it was a CNN interview. Let's mm -hmm. just get rid of all that. So first of all, <laughs> that tells me this is a person who's Voters never who's that. never had a private sector job. Mm -hmm. Does not you know she just kind of figures oh the government I've always had government insurance. Doesn't everybody have government insurance? Doesn't everybody like government insurance? Right. Uh, and she's probably always had a pretty good plan. I mean um, that's not the way people think about government insurance and. You know, there are people who ha who just they're getting by with their insurance that they, that they have through an employer and uh, they know this is a problem for people who don't have insurance. And they just their attitude is just like, don't mess this up. And when she just said, oh, let's get rid of all that. So then then she was, uh, you know, she's she her her campaign has tanked and she's not a plausible candidate anymore. She's polling at around two or three percent. She just did not connect the way anybody thought uh, she would. And I think she just got off to a bumbling start because of that. Do you think Medicare for all is a thing that will ultimately trip up the Democrats in general in 2020? Uh, I, I think it, uh, this single issue, I think, really has become a defining litmus test of the candidates in the primary. Um, now, let's to go back to this poll, the, the, the rub here with Medicare for all. So, again, 
52% of all voters say it's a bad idea and only 36% say it's a good idea. But among Democrats, 58% say it's a good idea and 32% say it's a bad idea. So a you know considerable majority of Democrats actually think this is a good idea. And there, without a doubt, are guys like Mike Bloomberg and Joe Biden and Pete Buttigieg who are saying, you know, we're shooting ourselves in the in the head if we if our nominee goes up and says we're going to eliminate private insurance, we're just shooting ourselves in the head. We may as well just withdraw mm -hmm. and just you know give it to Trump by default. I'm not sure that's entirely true, but I think it, I think it, I think if you support uh, whether you want to call it Medicare for all. Uh, which is a benign way to describe it because people generally like Medicare or socialized medicine, mm. which is a very negative way to describe it. Um, I, I think I, Medicare I just for think all is getting is, a negative uh, connotation. It, it now. is now, and I, I just I my my view is this is just a losing uh, proposition to general election voters, and I've studied the cost uh, and what you would have to do um, to get there uh, in. The in general, if it, it, Medicare for all would make sense if you were starting from scratch, if you were building a healthcare system from scratch, it would be it would be a lot, perfectly logical way to do it. But we're not, and so to have this huge transfer of money away from uh, the people and the companies that are paying for healthcare now over to the government, companies would save money, people would save money, but there would have to be massive new taxes, and uh, people there. And when you just when you shake things up that much, there are winners and losers, and um, our political system is just resistant to creating losers. Everybody wants to be a winner, and nobody wants to be a loser. Nobody wants to be the person who ends up paying more when you change the system. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody wants to be the person who has to go without something and then figure out how to get it from a different source. Nobody wants to be that loser, and there would be a lot of losers if we did this. What about now? You told us 58 percent of Democrats nationally in this latest poll – can get behind Medicare for all. But what about Democrats? I don't know if they break it down in those swing states. I don't have that data. That's in another survey that we've talked about. Um, and it, if I remember correctly, a majority of them were against it. Well, not Democrats. A majority of Democrats in the swing states favor Medicare for all. But you don't win swing states if you just win Democrats. And that's the point. So right. that's why we looked at those swing states is because you have to look at all voters in those states and Democrats are going to get the Democrats. What they didn't get last time were the independents and the uh, more liberal uh, conservatives moderate. or the liberal Republicans or the moderate vote. Right. And that's who they would have to get to win those swing states. And we're talking about Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, and about four or five others. Um, so I think the same thing holds true in those states as it does nationally, which you're turning people off. You're turning off the voters you need to win the White House if you're telling them that uh, as soon as you're elected president, you're going to send the health care system on a pathway to uh, full single, pay single payer. Uh, so not everybody system. wants to dump their private health insurance. Yeah. And the thing about Medicare, the reason Medicare for all looks good on paper is um, it is plausible that um, the nation as a whole – could end up spending about the same amount on health care uh, that we spend now from all sources and actually provide care for 30 million additional people. So we'd get more for the more bang for bang the for buck if buck, we did right. it. Um, the, but I, everybody, the people who think that's a good idea, just overlook the massive disruptions that would happen uh, to go from here to there. And that probably includes um, 
not having enough doctors and caregivers in some places because one of the things that makes Medicare— the rural areas. Rural areas for sure where there's already, in some areas, there's already a shortage of of caregivers. But a basic premise behind Medicare for all is that one way you save money is you um, cut— provider payments down to Medicare rates. Medicare rates are among the lowest um, that doctors and hospitals and care centers get paid. In fact, if they, uh, all, if they all got paid just the Medicare rates, um, hospitals would go you know out of business. You know what I was going to say? I mean, you, they, can't, they, you cannot have they, they're, they're below cost. They're right. below cost in, in many instances. And then so people who, uh, you know, critics of the current system say, well, they're below cost because costs are artificially high because – uh, insurance companies have to earn a profit, and some hospitals have to earn a profit. Um, well, hos- even a f- nonprofit hospital has to have a little bit of overage. Sure. Uh, that you they use, have their overhead. They have yeah, to pay you, for. Yeah, you usually put that back into resources and things like that. Um, and if you're if the if the only source of of payments is paying Medicare like payments? at or below cost. Um, some hospitals would go out of business probably. There are some that are kind of on the margin right now. There are some doctors who would We've just say this is not worth it. We've seen a lot of consolidation in that industry too yeah, and, I mean, because of the reasons thinks, you're outlining. Anybody who thinks – you know, I've written this and people say, well, what else are doctors going to do? Well, they can do almost – they can do a lot, doctors. Uh, they could – Doctors can also not take insurance at all. And yeah, there I mean are these are highly educated people. There are a number of them That's who right. They could, they, could go, they could go into concierge medicine, which is where wealthy people just pay cash. Uh, they could stop practicing medicine and go into research. They could work for pharmaceutical firms. They could work for biotech firms. They could go work for private equity firms that buy health care. They could go overseas. Um, or they could retire. I mean, you know, doctors have a lot of options, and to assume they're just going to keep w- working, you know, plus the ones who haven't paid off all their loans yet. Right. Anyway, you know, doctors go in, go to school based on an expectation that they're going to make money the way the system is now. Um, so if you completely change the incentive system for doctors, you something's going to give. Do you think that the Democrats might be miscalculating some of their other broad appeal ideas like free college, like decriminalizing the, the border crossings. Because well, so, these, these at, in, in the beginning, started to gain traction with voters. And then when they understood what it really meant, what it would mean to, for, for their costs and in their personal lives, they started to turn against it. Well, it's, it's probably not a coincidence that the candidates who tend to uh, support Medicare for all, and this basically we're talking again, it's, it's Warren and Sanders and then a couple of uh, sort of leftist wannabes in the lower ranks of the candidates, and they're probably going to drop out. But it's mostly Warren and Sanders. Um, they they support Medicare for all, and they also support um, you know free college and massive student debt forgiveness. I mean, we've talked about Elizabeth Warren once. Uh, she, she if you just look at her big plans, she wants to spend four point two trillion dollars per year on new plans. In addition to what the government already spends, but just so people know, I mean, I know these numbers kind of become nonsensical, but the government only spends about $3 trillion a year right now, and she wants to raise that to $4.2 trillion. And by the way, I think another reason people are losing faith in Elizabeth Warren is I don't think they believe her when she says uh, she can uh, enact Medicare for all, and it's not going to cost middle-class families a dime in additional tax revenue. I, I just I don't think, think anybody lives in I, I don't. I think I don't think she should tell them that. I think what she should say is, um, 
But, well, I know, and I know why she can't say it. But I think what she would say is you're going to say, say well, here's what Bernie, here's what Bernie Sanders says. Because Bernie had to come clean and finally admit taxes well, I mean, would go he, up. I, don't, I think Bernie is very cynical on th- some things, but I think he's at least honest when he says how to pay for it. And he basically says we can do this with a 4% uh, income tax surcharge and additional middle tax, uh, middle, middle class tax. But you're going to save so much money because you're not going to be paying for uh, health. You're not going to be paying for health insurance. You're not going to pay for deductibles. You're not going to pay out-of-pocket expenses. You're going to pay nothing for health care. Health care is going to be free. We're just going to increase taxes across the board. That there's at least that's at least somewhat honest. And if you actually made that pitch to voters in a way that they felt was believable, or you could guarantee that they're going to end up better off, they would say fine. Uh, I mean, you know, let's say I think you and I would rather have, uh, you know, a bigger raise than uh, we just uh, continue to get health care coverage because the company pays their share that just keeps going up. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're not many of us are not getting bigger raises because of uh, companies company paying health care. The cost of health care. Um, so but Elizabeth Warren won't say that because she thinks that if she is the nominee, then uh, uh, President Trump, her opponent, will say, Elizabeth Warren, want, all she wants to do is raise taxes on the middle class. I want to cut taxes on the middle class, and she wants to raise taxes on the middle class. And I guess she thinks uh, either Trump is too good at demagoguery such as that or voters are too dumb to know the difference where she can't, she can't explain, well, I am, suppose, I am proposing a middle class uh, a tax hike, but I'm uh, proposing a huge cut in what you're going to pay for health care. And here's the difference. You know, I mean, you're going to pay another thousand in taxes, but you're going to save four thousand in health care or whatever the numbers are. Mm-hmm. I guess she thinks that would not be convincing enough. So she has come up with this plan, which I think is kind of a joke, uh, to pay for this gigantically expensive Medicare for all program only by uh, more taxes on the wealthy businesses and Wall Street. I, it just seems, it seems it's like not a pipe believable. Dream. Seems she's like going to pay for everything under the sun, but she's only going to tax wealthy people, businesses, and Wall Street. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a lot of the voters are buying into that not. either. All right, we want to thank everybody for joining us for this podcast. Be sure to rate and review what you just heard, and you can always follow us. I'm at Alexis TV News. I'm at Rick J. Newman, and be nice. <laughs> Please. We'll see you next time. Please.